Welcome to another thrilling episode on Book TV. But before we dive in, let's talk about enhancing your reading experience with novel nutrition. As you lose yourself in today's story, imagine supporting your journey with our unique supplements, specially crafted for readers like you. Whether it's boosting focus with Epic, unwinding with Read, or energizing with Zip Strips, Novel Nutrition is here to complement each chapter of your literary adventure. Visit novelnutrition.co or click the link in the show notes, and don't forget to use code BOOKTV for an exclusive 20% discount. Now, let's immerse ourselves in the magic of today's story. Chapter 7. Holly Suddenly the pressure was gone. Holly gasped as her eyes shot open. An involuntary twitch of her body jerked her back to reality. She was alive. The man had dropped the elastic so that it hung around her neck, wiping at the tears that now stained his cheeks. She gulped down a lungful of stale air, spluttering in her eagerness to get the oxygen back into her lungs. Her hands flew to her throat, raw and sure to bruise. The man stared at her, his eyes wide and glassy, cocking his head, first to the left and then to the right. I just want Margie, he whispered. Why can't I have her? The man didn't seem to be a threat anymore, but she needed to keep her guard up. Her throat was on fire, and her emotions frazzled. Being brutally choked to near death felt too overwhelming, but her instinct to survive had kicked in, and she had to place all of that aside if she was to get away from this man. Let me help you. Her voice came out ragged. He nodded slowly. Then he sank to his knees, his shoulders shuddering with the might of his sobbing, she blinked down at him, watching the tears roll down his cheeks, hesitating before moving off the bed. Where is Margie? she rasped. I can see if I can get her brought here if that would help. It was a lie, but it might be enough to settle him. Then she could slip from his room and resume her journey. Though she didn't like to tell lies and get his hopes up, she didn't see any other option. And she'd rather not have the elastic wrapped tight around her throat again. She's gone. His voice quivered. Without Margie, what will I do? She should be at my side. He looked up at her, his sobs quieting to snivels. He swiped his hand across his nostrils and let out a loud sniff. If it weren't because he'd almost killed her, she would feel sorry for him. Shh. She reached out to press a hand to his cheek. It'll be okay. But you must be quiet so we don't get caught. Tell me about your Margie. He nodded. His eyes were red and swollen. She's my best friend. An angel. She's always been there. She'll know what to do. Find her. Don't let them keep her from me. I'll find her. Find her, please. I need her. His tears returned with force, and Holly's panic doubled. He was about to ruin her short-lived attempt at an escape. He would have half the ward swarming his room if he kept this up. Margie. Margie, he moaned. The man was rocking back and forth, subsumed in his own misery. As his large form shifted, she saw her moment of escape. She kept her eyes on him as she sidled away from him, adrenaline spiking her veins, doing her best to tread carefully and lightly. He was blessedly unaware of her movements, his mutterings following her to the door. Margie! Her feet inched backward as she retreated, silently, fearful he would notice she was leaving him, but he was too far gone. His sobs would return, and a nurse would sigh before marching into his room, 
needle in hand. She wouldn't be there for that. Screams echoed down the hall, quickly followed by running footsteps. Holly slunk into the shadows, watching as several nurses swept past her into a room several doors down. The screams didn't quieten. If anything, they seemed to turn more blood-curdling. Shouting joined the mix. Something terrible was happening. One quick glance confirmed her fears that she would have to walk past the open door of that room to get to the main stairwell that would take her to the ground floor. Unlike the smaller stairwell from before that was accessible by anyone, the main floor was only accessible through a thick metal door that was usually locked. Holly prayed the power outage had taken care of that problem, or her adventure was coming to a premature end. Hands trembling as she pressed them to her sides, she needed to move before more nurses came running. The screams were growing more panicked, and it scared her what she might witness. It can't be worse than anything I've seen before. The thought wasn't as reassuring as she hoped, but it gave her the courage to pull herself from the shadows. She kept her eyes straight as she continued down the corridor, the sounds of raised voices and shrieks making her tense and pause every few seconds. Don't look! Don't look! With everyone preoccupied with whatever was happening, Holly carried on, her gaze locked on the double metal doors that would lead her off the ward, flinching at every sound. She stopped when she reached the room. The screams had quieted to wails, but the voices had grown louder in their panic. Her feet refused to move from the spot. Curiosity, or maybe the need to witness the terrible things that were happening. She swiveled her head to the left. A young woman, no older than nineteen or twenty, stood on her bed, a pair of scissors in her hand. Blood dripped from her arms to the mattress, staining the white sheets crimson. Around her, nurses were trying to coax her down. But if any got too close, the scissors bit into her skin again, another wail adding to the night. For a moment the woman's eyes met Holly's. They stared at each other before a smile pulled at the woman's lips. Then she turned away, tilting her head. Not before Holly had seen the pain in the young woman's gaze. The scissors lifted again, and Holly gasped, her mouth agape. A fresh cut was added to the woman's collection as more of her blood spurted onto the sheets at her feet. Suddenly, her eyes clouded over, her consciousness being dragged away right in front of Holly's eyes. She swayed on her legs before the nurses jumped forward to catch her. Her eyes fluttered closed, and for a second, she looked serene. The scissors slipped from her hand, bouncing to the floor. A nurse immediately snatched them up. Holly pulled her gaze away as the woman's body crumpled onto the bed. Nothing good would come from what the woman had done. There had been purpose to her strokes with the scissors. Holly had seen the same trapped look in her own reflection as she saw in the woman's face. Like her, the woman had been caught in a cycle of hurt and pain, but unlike her, the woman could not carry the burden. A salty wetness stung Holly's eyes as she forced her feet to move. She couldn't bear to stand there any longer, nor could she risk a nurse finding her there. This was her only chance at escape. Holly didn't know if the woman would succeed in her pathetic attempt to end her life, or if the nurses and doctors would save her. If they did, they would keep her locked away, forever labeling her a threat to herself and others, to condemn her to a tiny, cell-like room for the rest of her miserable life. As she walked toward the exit, 
Holly's fingers found the jagged scar that stretched across her wrist. Not as knotted as it had been all those years ago, when it had been so fresh and angry, yet still serving as her reminder of the desperation she'd once felt. Her lungs tightened at the painful memories of her early days in the hospital. For a moment, her vision turned black as she tried to dislodge the thoughts and feelings that she thought she'd buried. She was just a child when they'd wrenched her from her mom and dad. Usually she pushed the memories away, deep down into the murky depths of her mind. But when they reared up, they wrapped around her like a suffocating cloth, threatening to drag her back to the hell that was her childhood. Lurching forward, she placed her hands on the cold metal of the doors. It was a shock to her system and enough to pull her back, but she quickly steadied herself, and with a swift heave, she yanked the door. It let out a low groan but opened. Relief pooled in her stomach, one less obstacle in her path. Without another thought, she pushed through the doors, finally leaving the ward. Chapter 8. Patrick The machines are down, the man told Patrick. It took him a moment for the words to sink in, then another moment for his heart to stop racing as he calmed his breathing. This man standing before him wasn't about to shoot him, or start anything. He was trying to be a nice person, saving Pat the wasted time of traipsing through the store, only to be told there was no way for the cashier to process the order. I have cash, Pat replied. Usually they can still accept that, but thanks. Tap, 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 tap. The man shrugged his attention already on the parking lot. Pat followed the man's gaze. The snow was now coming down in cookie-sized globules, sticking to the parked cars and collecting on people's faces as they hunched their shoulders and dived into their vehicles. The light was fading, and if he wanted to leave the store before nightfall, he'd have to be quick. Though turning to face the dark innards of the sprawling grocery outlet, he doubted that was possible. A tense solemnity filled the store. It felt strange not to hear Muzak sounding through the speakers, and the absence of light from the overhead fluorescent strips added to the weirdness. Moving through the huddles of customers milling about, Pat took the first empty aisle he came to. He squinted against the dark. Reaching for his cell, he peered at the lack of bars before clicking on the flashlight. The pale beam from its weak light cast strange shadows on the endless bottles of soda that lined the aisle, he scrunched his nose at the soda aisle, considering his options. Though he had an ancient generator up at his cabin, he was starting to doubt he could make it there. Not if the roads were already covered in snow. With darkness, ice would form, and leaving town would be a mess. If the power was out for more than a few days, fresh produce would be at risk of going bad. Even with the snow and freezing temperatures, fresh food had a limited lifespan. Canned goods and dried foods would be his best bet. Cases of bottled water, too. Standing there, he made a mental list of what to grab. Things that would last and be easy to eat if the power stayed out. Cans of chili, various beans, tinned meat, crackers, packets of nuts and dried fruit, coffee and water. If he had the time, and people hadn't already stripped the shelves, powdered milk and pancake mix... He was worried that by now most of the things on his wish list would be gone, and that the people who had got here earlier had already had the foresight to grab such items. Tap, 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 tap. He was wasting time standing here. With a sigh, he left the soda behind. 
Several people were picking their way through the aisles, cell phones lighting their paths. Most were carrying gallons of milk. Some even carried enormous tubs of ice cream, items that wouldn't last long without refrigeration, even with the cold weather, or without power. It was as if they expected to step outside the store and find that the power had come back on in their homes. Though perhaps it would soon, he thought. But then he remembered all the disabled vehicles and the frustrated looks on the faces of those wandering about the parking lot and earlier on the bridge. Something about it tickled the back of his mind, giving him pause for thought. In his head, he ran through the various scenarios they'd trained him for. Not just his days at the police academy, but his time in the army, too. His mind was whirling and his fingers going ten to the dozen. No, it's just a power outage, he reassured himself. Still, his mind wouldn't stop spinning with thoughts of attacks and riots. It wouldn't take much for someone to knock out the power, local or international. It was always a fear that he'd had during his years of service, ever since he saw action in the Gulf War and the hatred in the eyes of the terrorists, something that still haunted him at night. He'd seen that same hatred here in Salem, those he'd pulled over in their run-down vehicles or arrested for petty offenses. Hatred was all too rampant in the world, which made it all the easier to imagine this was an attack, something far more horrific than just a power outage. Tap, 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 tap. The intensity of his tapping fingers finally calmed his mind. It will be okay, he told himself. Everything usually had a funny way of working itself out in the end. Even if it rarely ended up the way he'd hoped, he knew he had to trust the process or stop worrying so much about things which he couldn't control, as his therapist told him every time they met. He willed his mind away from thoughts of an attack. Even worse, a nuclear attack. There would be plenty of time for that later when he was driving to his cabin, or as he settled in for several days of solitude. Until then, he needed supplies. Non-perishable food items needed to be his priority. Passing an older couple bickering over pork chops in the meat section, he made his way toward the canned food aisle. He had to use his phone's light several times, though he realized he should preserve the battery. His daughter had taken his charger out of the truck, and he'd yet to get around to replacing it. Hopefully, the cabin would have power, but he didn't want to add any extra pull on the generator unless he needed to. It was already on its last legs. To his surprise, most of the canned foods looked untouched, confirming his suspicions that people weren't at the panic-buying stage yet, though that would begin soon. Work would let out in less than 30 minutes. He needed to be gone by then. The store was close enough to the government office buildings of Salem that people could walk over to grab things, while waiting for the snow to pass, or rides to show up for them. Then chaos would quickly descend, and panic would push people to act in ways that were dangerous for everyone. He'd seen it too many times to count. Tap, 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 tap. With one hand, he massaged both sides of his jaw, at the same time chiding himself about the constant clenching of his teeth. Now he could focus on the collection of canned chilies before him, thankful for the distraction. His mind all too easily wandered to the past, to situations out of his control, and it would take some strength of willpower to drag his thinking back to the present. Shootings, ambushes, and attacks for the last three decades had left him worn down. Not just worn down, beyond exhausted, 
Wary of most situations, several therapists had labeled it as post-traumatic stress disorder turned obsessive-compulsive disorder, PTSD and OCD. Great. He ticked all the boxes for a damaged man. His need to glean some sense and logic from the world of uncontrollable tragedies that plagued him. He hadn't always drummed his right index finger as if he had a nervous twitch or the dozen other little ticks that controlled his life. The very things that had pushed Jane, his latest ex-wife, to her breaking point. Well, that, and the realization that he couldn't support her in the manner she wanted to be supported. As a retired cop, he didn't have the money she'd been hoping for, not to mention alimony from his previous divorce and his kids he was still supporting. They always came first in his book, something else that she'd never been able to live with. Tap, 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 tap. He hadn't meant to let his mind wander to Jane. Yet, there it was, fixated on her. Of his three failed marriages, his third was perhaps his most frustrating. It wasn't as messy of a split as with Kimberly, his kid's mother, or as cold as his first divorce. This one had been too emotional, with Jane tearful and frantic throughout the entire process. From demanding they sell the house they'd shared to deciding that she wanted it in the divorce. When she was told they'd have to sell it as per her lawyer's advice, more tears had sprung up. After enough tantrums, Pat had caved in and let her keep it. On the proviso, she let him keep his paltry pension, to which she'd reluctantly agreed. Just thinking about the negotiations that went into their divorce settlement had Patrick reaching for a row of uneven cans. He straightened them, lining them up so that their labels with pictures of bowls of steaming chili faced directly straight at the consumer. This gave him some relief and enough distraction to push thoughts of his latest ex-wife from his head. Until he remembered he needed to go to the house first to pick up the last of his stuff. No doubt she'd be there and would have something to say to him. She'd already spent the last week spewing out question upon question at him about the property, now that she'd taken it on. She wouldn't have the first clue what to do in a power outage. Tap, 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 tap. He might have to spend more time there than he'd planned, helping to ensure she had what she needed, before heading over to the cabin after taking the last of his things. This should save him an unnecessary trip back into town. And he would finally be done with her, though he suspected it would take considerably more effort to get her out of his life. Not that he was sure that's what he wanted. Seven solitary days stretched out in front of him. He longed for the quiet solitude of his cabin. Help! A woman's voice pierced the quiet. In a rising panic, the word came out as a screech. Dragged from his thoughts, Pat tensed, craning his neck to check across the aisles. The shout had come from several rows away. Zipping up his jacket, he abandoned the job of deciding which chili to drop in the trolley. There's a secret once hidden, a treasure the ancients used daily. It's turmeric, the golden spice of life. In the heart of ancient India, this revered root was more than a culinary delight. It was a symbol of purity, a source of wellness. Novel Nutrition brings this secret to you with our fire supplement. Each fire gummy is a nod to those ancient traditions, harnessing the natural powerful anti-inflammatory and antioxidant benefits that have supported health and vitality for centuries. 
Nab your supply of Novel Nutrition's Fire by clicking the link in the description and using code BOOKTV for a 20% discount. Read more. Live more. Be more. Chapter 9. Holly? Relief mixed with fear as Holly trod quietly, flinching at how her footsteps echoed through the hall. Doors that led to offices lined the hallway. She stepped toward one, glancing at the name on the door. Moving along, she continued to read the names of the doctors to calm her racing heart and distract her mind. Curiosity propelled her forward. Her psychiatrist, Dr. Burke's office, must be here somewhere and she wasn't working today. Holly had never seen her file. It would be there in Dr. Burke's room, containing medical notes that would detail her entire medical history. More information about her mental health than even she was aware of. They would also hold the letter from the judge that outlined her punishment for the fire and everything else. She wanted to see them, learn more about herself, and to fill in all the strangely blank spots that had appeared recently. While she had periods of being more in control of herself and her emotions, there were still times when irrationality won out, and times she couldn't remember, like earlier that day, and whatever had led to the fog and pain. It was at the end of the corridor when she saw the name. Holly froze, staring at the lettering. Dr. Vera K. Burke, Maryland, medical director. This could be her chance. A frisson of excitement sparked through her as she tried the doorknob. It was unlocked, which struck her as strange. Dr. Burke was a very organized woman who hated anything out of order. Holly had learned that early when she'd been late. It had led to a sharp look and a lecture on the importance of establishing routines and sticking to them. Holly stepped into the dark office. She blinked against the dark, waiting for her eyes to adjust. She could just make out the neat desk and the shelves along the wall lined with heavy books. As she moved further into the office, she spotted the twin pair of tall filing cabinets. Unlike the door, though, they were locked. She tugged on them before letting out a disappointed huff. She should have known better. She turned around and stared at the desk. Maybe she should let it go, leave and continue her mission to find meds and food. Yet an all-consuming desire to see what was in her notes would not go away. She had to find a way to get her file. Holly needed to see what was in it. She needed to learn everything about what they'd done to her since she'd arrived. This was the first time she'd had this desire. Previously, she'd always assumed that her medical notes belonged to the hospital and her doctors. They weren't for her to read. None of her business. She shuddered. This might not be the most logical pit stop, but for now, she didn't care. She wasn't leaving without her file. For the first time she could remember, she felt like the confident girl that had wanted to become a detective, the spirited teenager who had convinced her parents to let her attend the camp. A soft smile pulled at her lips as she stepped over to the desk. The key must be somewhere. With swift movements, she opened each drawer in the desk, rifling through the contents. But the only useful thing she came across was a phone. Holly stared at it. This must be Dr. Burke's work line that she'd seen her frowning at many times in their sessions. So why hadn't she taken it with her? A shiver of foreboding ran through her. Dr. Burke might be somewhere around and could walk in at any moment. No, she's off. 
Holly considered stuffing the phone back in the drawer, but tapped the screen, casting an eerie blue light across the room. With the flashlight in her hand, Holly turned toward the bookshelves. As she ran her fingers along the spines of Dr. Burke's books, she let her gaze wander. Most of the titles talked about psychology, hefty tomes that were impressive to look at. She wondered how many of them her doctor had read. Probably most, considering the rigidness that made up Dr. Burke, with her seemingly encyclopedic knowledge of everything. Out of the corner of her eye, she spotted a photo sitting on the desk. It looked out of place in the office, one of the few personal items in an otherwise sparse room. It was a wedding photo. Dr. Burke, her sharp features softened by her makeup, her blonde hair loose, not the usual tight knot at the base of her neck that she sported around the hospital. A broad smile pulled at her thin lips, while her ice-blue eyes, still behind the familiar frames, were on the handsome man at her side. She looked pretty and young in the picture. Nothing like the frosty middle-aged woman Holly was used to. A familiar yearning for a life missed, of moments robbed from her, weighed down on her. She should have had her own wedding day, a career, and an office. Holly swiped at her eyes as she set down the photo, her gaze caught on a paperback book sitting there. It was out of place. Its pages were yellowed and the spine broken, as though it had been thumbed through often. Holly picked it up, glancing at the title and author. She could just make out the lettering in the thin light from the phone. Psychiatry and the Brain by Dr. Jacques Burke. This must be some relative of hers. It was strange imagining that her therapist had any family. The woman seemed too cold. Guilt pricked Holly at having such an unkind thought. She leafed through the pages. The cool, musty air wafted in her face. Something slipped onto the floor with a metallic ping. She bent to pick up the object. A small metal key. She stared at it for a moment before glancing at the filing cabinet, shaking her head. This seemed too good to be true, but she moved to the cabinet and slipped in the key. It unlocked easily. For a moment, she stood staring at the alphabetically ordered files. A low scream sounded in her ears, reminding her they could catch her at any moment. Her eyes darted to the W's. Winters, Holly. It was a thick file, which made sense for the number of years she'd been there. Holding it unnerved her but she felt the urge to read it right there and then. After a moment, she couldn't stop herself and flipped the file open. A picture immediately drew her attention. Wide eyes with deep purple circles around them pierced her gut. They'd taken it on the day they'd admitted her. Her heart pounded in her chest as she stared at this younger version of herself. Just like that, she was 14 again. The warm sun beat down on her as she stood staring at the building that would be her high school in just two short months, when fall hit and the nights turned cold. A smile tugged at her lips as she glanced about at the other students that were making their way up the steps. Some looked as nervous as she felt, while others seemed lost in thought. All looked eager for the activities the school was hosting that day. Ever since the nice detective that had helped them after her dad's accident, she'd wanted to study law. She'd devoured every book at the library several blocks from their little house, staying up late to read. Under the covers, with a flashlight in hand, she pretended she was solving cases and helping bring good to the world. She felt it in her bones that this was what she was meant to do. Before she'd even finished middle school, 
She'd been eager to start high school and be on her way to making her dreams come true. When she'd seen the flyer for the camp that the police were putting on, she knew she had to go. Several sheriffs from local precincts would be there, showcasing their skills to the interested students. No. Holly couldn't stop the exasperated sigh that escaped her at her mom's crossed arms and a stern frown. Ever since the accident, her mom had been stricter, insisting that Holly didn't wander too far from home or stay out past dusk, as if there was some evil out there waiting to attack her, leaving her confined to a bed, unable to move, like her dad. Mom, this is about my future. It's just a camp. You're 14. You don't need to be so worried about the future. That was all her mom had to say then, but weeks of begging had worn her down. Holly had seen to it. Just a few more days and she would have her mom's signature on that permission slip. She even turned to her older sister, Heather. In exchange for babysitting her nephews for free, Heather had agreed to talk to mom. Don't hold your breath, her sister had grumbled, bouncing the baby on her hip. Mom's stubborn. She only listens to one person. Dad. That had given Holly the idea to go to him. He couldn't move the lower half of his body anymore, and he had limited use of the upper. Not since the accident. He could still listen and talk, though his speech came out slurred, and it took him a while to string words into a sentence. But he would listen, and Holly knew he would support her. He always had her back. I'll be back at three, her mom had told her as she dropped her off. She could still remember the feeling of triumph that morning as she'd slipped from the car to enter the school gates. It had felt so right to be there, like she was finally gaining some control over her life. Four more years and her life would fully be hers. She'd be at college, studying criminal justice and living on her own, without her parents or sister to boss her about. Her steps had carried her into the school's gym, where the secretary had smiled brightly at her whilst checking her in, handing her a folder of papers and directing her toward a group. Holly couldn't remember when she'd first seen him, or if she'd even noticed him at all. She'd been too lost in the excitement. You look ready to learn. He'd said to her with a wink she'd thought nothing of. She'd smiled at him with barely a glance in his direction, clutching the folder they'd given her to her chest. She'd nodded politely, her eyes momentarily catching on his badge. Then they whisked her away, all thoughts of him falling from her mind. It was less than thirty seconds that she had spent in his company. With nothing more than a distracted nod, she had scarcely acknowledged him. In the days, weeks, and years to come, she would comb over this moment, searching for any signs of what was to come, of what he would do to her in just a few hours, of how he would destroy her life. But there were no clues, no matter how hard she looked, no matter from what angle she examined the facts. Nothing stood out to her. She was wearing faded jeans, shorts, and a baggy T-shirt. The top had been her sister's and was still too big on Holly's thin frame. Her Converse shoes were scuffed and covered in dirt, and her hair had been pulled into a braid that hung down her back. She looked younger than her fourteen years. She remembered his smile as he asked her if she could help him with something. Thinking nothing of it, she followed him. Calloused hands on her shoulders led her away from the others. His pine scent, sharp and overwhelming, lingered in the air. He took her to a dark closet, dusty and forgotten, with old gym mats that let up a cloud of dust when he forced her down. 
tears in her eyes as his hand smothered her mouth, cutting off her sobs and cries. Then came the pain, a never-ending, biting pain, a heaviness unlike anything she'd ever felt. That feeling of wrongness as his hot breath had dampened the hair next to her ear. If he'd said anything, she couldn't remember. From the moment his heavy hands had landed on her shoulders in the hallway, her mind had panicked. She remembered his fingers digging into her shoulder that left bruises she would stare at for the days to come. He was an officer of the law, just like the man who had helped her family, somebody she was supposed to trust. Mom had never warned her about the evil that lurked in the shadows of someone's smile, the glint of a man's eye that meant he wanted to touch you in a dark room. When he'd finished, he left her there, curled in a ball, crying into the dusty mat. The pain pulsed through her, as did the shame. In those minutes that came after, she couldn't understand what had happened. Her mind had spun. When she tried to put words to what had just happened between them, she stuttered. Eventually, she sat up, pulled her shorts back up, and wiped her face. It felt like she'd left her body as she'd stood and brushed the dust from her clothes. Her movements were automatic. She stepped from the closet into a silent hall, flinching at every sound as she scurried to the closest bathroom, locking herself inside a stall. There, she stayed until it was time to meet her mom. Quietness had overtaken her as she slunk through the school. She didn't want to see him again, nor for him to see her. And she hadn't. Thankfully, she made it to her mom's old station wagon, with no one noticing her. Her mom had been too distracted to notice the quiet that was her daughter. The next day, she pretended to be sick. And the day after. Her mom paid little attention and hadn't asked why she no longer wanted to go to the camp she'd begged her to attend. Too busy dealing with her husband's rapid decline to realize she was losing her youngest daughter as well. Just as Holly was starting to forget and rewrite what had happened, it turned out that he had left her with more than only mental scars. The first month had slipped by, and she hadn't noticed when her period didn't come, not giving it a thought. She'd learned about sex and health education the year before, giggling and blushing with her friends as their teacher had frowned at them. But she didn't understand what had happened that day, not until the next month, and her period still hadn't come. School was starting next week, and she was supposed to be getting new shoes, ones that would look nice, as her mom had said. Instead, she stood in a row of the grocery store she'd never been down before. She stared at the packages before her, blinking, trying not to cry, one hand pressed against her flat stomach. Twenty minutes later, she had her answer. She curled around herself on her bed, crying soundlessly for hours, as she relived the horror of that moment. Fear of what her parents would do to her kept her quiet. She couldn't stop remembering her sister's pregnancies and the way she'd expanded so much that she'd barely been able to walk at the end. Yet still, she couldn't believe this would be her in a few months. School started and she said nothing, even as her pants didn't fit any longer and her shirts pulled tight against the swell of her belly. She'd stolen her dad's shirts, ignoring the snickers of the other girls. Tears were constantly in her eyes. Teachers noticed and told her counselor, who wrote it off as freshman blues. Holly thought she could hide. She thought she could pretend it wasn't happening. 
that if she didn't tell anyone, then it wouldn't be real. After all, she didn't think what had happened counted. Her teacher had made sex out to be something wonderful. Everyone acted like babies only came from love and happiness, not pain and misery. The anger grew in her, and the darkness swirled around her. No one paid her any attention. No one noticed the shattered girl that was falling to pieces. They didn't seem to care that something was wrong. The world kept spinning for everyone but her. She hated everyone. The man that had done this to her, her mom who didn't notice, and her sister who was too busy to care. Her dad was dying from a work accident and couldn't notice her, but she still hated him too. But most of all, she hated herself. Just when she thought things couldn't get worse, her mom walked in as she was getting dressed. Her mom's eyes widened as they landed on her stomach. Holly froze. How? Her mom asked. Holly hadn't understood the question. Surely, her mom knew. Then the tears had come. The screaming, the anguish, and finally the accusations. That she hadn't been careful, that she hadn't heeded warnings to protect herself. Then, silence. As we close today's captivating episode on Book TV, don't forget to check out Novel Nutrition. Tailored for book lovers, our supplements are designed to complement your reading lifestyle. Use code BOOKTV for a 20% discount on your first order at novelnutrition.co. Enhance your reading experience with Novel Nutrition, and don't forget that every purchase helps support an author.